In this podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about the seven levels of communication and getting back to the basics of engaging our consumers and recruits in an effective way. We're going to be discovering through the book, Seven Levels of Communication, the best seven ways to communicate and which way is the very most effective. Hi, I'm Jeff Cohn, host of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. Very excited today to be bringing you another solo episode. Um, as we are recording this episode, we're nearing quarter four, 2023. It's crazy even saying that, um, as most of us have experienced post-COVID, um, the market softened quite a bit with interest rates coming going up and creating a in lots of areas, an influx of inventory because a lot of um, second home buyers and first time buyers are struggling locking in interest rates that are advantageous to the purchase of their first or second home, making it really hard to move real estate. So we have a lot of inventory with higher rates, um, making it a challenge to cycle through transactions like a lot of companies are used to. Um, you have a lot of ancillary businesses struggling like mortgage, title, insurance, property management, investing companies. Um, and so today I wanted to dive in deep and really explore some of the basics for anyone running a successful and profitable business and coming into the quarter four and struggling. This has been a big talking point. A lot of people have been wanting to get into and hash out and a mastermind around. And so I just want to kind of talk today a little bit from the heart and just kind of express some, um, some ideas, some solutions to some of the challenges that a lot of our listeners might be experiencing in their businesses. So the first thing that I did when I first got licensed in real estate was read as many books as I could touch, listen to as many podcasts and mastermind with top agents and then eventually top brokerages and then eventually top entrepreneurs in different verticals. And I think the thing that you look at time and time again for anybody that is struggling in an active role um, in their job is going back to the basics of how are we spending our time and are we intentional about the way we spend our time and are we getting results from the way that we're spending our time. And so, um, of course, with it being the team building podcast specific to building any team, I want to talk today a little bit more about how we are communicating effectively and efficiently with the people both inside of our industry, um, inside of our organization, the people that report to you, as well as the consumer that we serve. And I know it's important for anyone that's actively servicing leads in any vertical that they're spending a majority of their time prospecting for leads, at least 80% of their time. And 20% of their time um, spent actually servicing the lead, doing the thing that you're trying to sell them on that you're great at. That could be writing a mortgage loan, that could be you know negotiating a purchase agreement, et cetera. And so it reminds me when I go back to 2006, 2000, uh, 2007, 2008, when I first got my real estate license, I think about all the mastermind events I went to, sitting in open houses, door knocking, expired calls, FISBO calls, um, reaching out to lists of people that I felt knew, liked, and trusted me, and I knew, liked, and trusted them, creating my database. And it reminds me of a book that I read early on in my career, Seven Levels of Communication. Um, this book was written by Michael Mayer, and it takes you through the seven different ways to communicate. And I believe four of the seven are the non-influential, and three of the seven are influential. And so I think it's an important reminder for team leaders across every vertical um, with how they choose to engage with those within the organization, in accountability meetings, in trainings, um, and how they go about recruiting people into the organization, as well as how we choose to engage with the consumer. 
And I think we've lost ourselves a little bit. One of the things that really stood out to me, I, I grabbed an infographic, which we can share this in the show notes if we need to, but ultimately it's a pyramid. If you just Google seven levels of communication, hit on the Google search, uh, do a Google search and click on images and you'll see a ton of these pyramids will pop up. And the thing that really surprised me, you kind of wonder which side is the good communication and which side is the bad because line seven which Michael puts at the bottom of the pyramid, meaning it's the least effective, is advertising. And one of the things that surprises me when you think about advertising today is I think social media. I think you know Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, the list goes on and on as to what social media platforms people choose to use. And while I think it's a really great way to be seen, I think it's a lot like a billboard. Um, I, I don't know how many times I've seen a, a billboard for a product that I went and bought because I saw the billboard. The billboard might have reminded me that product exists, but it's very low influence. There's no way they can close me on a product by me seeing a picture of it. And I feel like a lot of us have become victims to assuming that by having a strong advertising presence, a, so, a strong social media presence, it's helping our businesses to grow. And I know for all, lots of times when we talk about lead generation, both from the recruiting standpoint and sales in our respective verticals, um, we always stress the importance of tracking, uh, both tracking your spend and tracking your key performance indicators to get the results you're looking for, and retra- tracking your return on investment and tracking your return on time. Um, very, very few leads that we close will claim that they met us from advertising or they met us on social media. Same with recruits. Very few will claim it. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. And it's kind of in our minds, I always talk about the rule of seven. They have to see you seven different places for you to be established as an expert in your industry at the thing that you're doing. So of course you want them to see you on social media, but I think too often we're relying too much on it. So that is an idea for people to kind of think about, um, you know, decide how much time and energy you're putting towards advertising, towards social media, and ask yourselves, are you getting the results that you need from it? And, or is there a better place for you to put your time and energy? Um, In Michael's book, uh, number six, right after advertising, this is the sixth least effective, if you want to look at it that way, or sixth most effective, um, is direct mail. I want to throw, I'll throw e-newsletters in with that. Now there is electronic communication comes next, not to steal the thunder of number five, but direct mail. Um, of course, we all know about just listed, just sold postcards. Uh, when you take a new listing or something goes under contract, you might recruit by sending out mailers. Um, I know oftentimes um, if you're, you have a buyer for a certain neighborhood, you might send out a mailer to that neighborhood. Um, there's lots of different ways we can use mail. It's just simply not very effective. It's not effective because again, you can't close someone. You can't ask somebody a question. You can't put somebody in very much of an emotional state by having a simple picture sent to them or some text that's on a piece of paper. And oftentimes when we get mail, we have a stack of mail and our goal is to get through it as quick as possible and throw it in a garbage can. So then the person getting that mail is deciding, is this important enough that I need to open it or should I just throw this in a garbage can? And I'll, I'll, um, I'll speak to this here in a couple minutes about what mail is effective and how you can be successful with it. So the fifth is electronic communication. How many of us have relied on drip email sequences um, or an email that we blast out to somebody, again, if we're recruiting and or if we're looking to engage somebody? Um, One of the things that stands out a lot that we've trained our agents on and people inside of our world is to know what the goal is of each type of communication. 
So number seven, advertising, it's just to be seen. The goal of that is not that somebody calls you. If you're lucky, they'll comment on something or they might send you a message, but that's really not the goal. The goal is that you're seen and then people know that you exist so that if you send direct mail, they can connect the dots. If you send electronic communication, they can connect the dots, but you should have a goal of everything. So with electronic communication, our goal has always been to get certain things answered. If I'm recruiting with electronic mail, I wanna put them in a click funnel which if you go to career.kwelite.com, you'll see an example of our recruiting click funnel that we would put somebody into if they were to click on a button to learn more about working with our company. And then of course, if they go down that rabbit hole, it's gonna take them to another goal of asking them to come to a company meeting or scheduling a, a meeting with somebody. But as you notice the sequences of what your goal should be, you wanna take people through these seven levels where you start at seven and the ultimate intention is to get them to number one. So I'll keep going through. So number seven was advertising, number six, direct mail, number five, electronic communication, number four, handwritten notes. How many of us rhetorically have sent a handwritten note to one of our clients that made us money anytime in the last 12 months for anybody that's ever closed with us? Have we written them a note on their anniversary date of their, their closing? How about on their marital anniversary date if they're married? How about on their birthday? How about when they had a child or had it, got a new dog or lost a family member or lost a dog? Um, how about just out of the blue? Just send them for no random reason other than I was thinking about you. Every closing you've ever had, that person, in my opinion, deserves a card at least once a year. It could be more, maybe quarterly, but they should receive a handwritten card. You could handwrite a card to invite them to an event. You could handwrite a card to you know, congratulate them, like I mentioned, on something that you've seen maybe on social media. If they just got back from a trip to, to Greece, maybe you handwrite a card, say, hey, your trip looked amazing. Would love to sit down and have coffee sometime and learn more about your trip to Greece. I don't know about the listeners, but I can guarantee everyone listening, I've never received a handwritten note that I didn't read. Think about that. Has anyone listening ever received a handwritten note that they didn't read? Now go back to number six, which was direct mail. How many has received something in the mail that they didn't read? They didn't even open it. They could tell from the outside it was a credit card offer or some um, in, you know, vacation marketing campaign, whatever it might be. You toss it in the garbage can, you don't look at it. Or you open it for a second to see if there's a coupon or something inside and then you toss it in the garbage can. But everyone reads handwritten notes. Um, you always want to write on the front. You want to use a marker. I used to use black envelopes with silver markers because people thought it was a wedding invitation and everybody's looking at a wedding invitation because they want to get their free dinner, right? Sorry, little cynical view, but everyone's opening a wedding invitation. You want to see pictures, whatever the case might be. Anyone and everyone's going to open a handwritten card, especially if you address it in the front and use a real stamp. Don't send it through a machine. So why would you write a handwritten card? Well, you want the people that you've serviced, people that you've provided your product to, to refer business to you. And when they're ready to use your service again, you want them to use you. But more importantly, it's getting the referrals. And the more that you're staying in front of someone, the more they're gonna remember you, and the more they're more likely they are of referring business to you. I think when someone does refer something to you, you should always send them a thank you card. I don't need a $25 gift card to Starbucks. I can afford my own coffee, but it would mean, It'd mean $1,000 to me to get a handwritten card from someone just saying, hey, it meant a lot to me that you referred John and Jane Doe and I was able to help them and they bought a house or they didn't end up buying a house, but it means a lot you thought of me. Now you've conditioned this person to refer you again and they know that you're grateful for that referral instead of it just ignoring the fact that they put that time and energy into sending them your way. Number three is phone calls. Now we start getting into more of a influential zone. And the big difference between seven through four 
is you don't get to respond to anything. You can't overcome objections. You don't get to see how someone feels or hear how someone feels. Um, you're simply sending something out into the universe and hoping that there's a response to it. Number three, you engage someone on a phone call. And I would say text. It probably would go if you were re to rewrite the book today is there'd be a 3.5 for text messaging and then a three for a phone call where you're actually talking to someone. That could include FaceTime, which would probably be even better or Zoom or Snap message or whatever the case might be. But why a phone call is so much more influential is you're actually talking to someone. And so your goal of that phone call, typically in a sales world, would be to determine, you know, take them through LP Mama. If you don't know that acronym, look it up. But ultimately, you're going to find out from them, you know, are they interested in the product that you're offering? What's their time frame? What's their price? Are they working with anyone else, et cetera, et cetera? Um, if they're not ready to go buy or sell a house or get a mortgage or whatever the thing is that you're selling, the number two goal of that call is that you establish that they know, like, trust you. They see you as a professional in the industry and they refer business to you. How do they refer business to you? You need to train them on. And you should, everybody should have, here's a little tip. Um, as Pat Hyben would always say on his podcast, now that's a pearl. I have a pearl for you. The pearl is this. Every professional, even if you wear several hats, you should have contact cards on your phone that can be shared. And that contact card is built in such a way that you train the people that are gonna refer you to others to share the contact card. That's how you win. And then once they've shared it, to text you and introduce you to that person. So that when you text that person, your name comes up. So for example, I'm the owner of a local brokerage in Nebraska called KW Elite. I have a KW Elite contact card. I also own Elite Real Estate Systems, which is our national company that scales and powers other teams. And uh, we do coaching and training and all the other things. I have a Elite Real Estate Systems contact card. So I probably have six or seven different contact cards. They have in the picture, it's an image of our logo. Um, it has my first and last name and then the business I represent and my title. So for example, it'd say CEO Elite Real Estate Systems. It then has my personal cell phone number. And of course you could choose to use like a voice over IP or a Google voice line um, so that everyone didn't have your personal cell phone number. And then you can choose if and when you point that to your personal cell phone number. It could have a work number. Most I know most work numbers are VoIP lines that point to a cell phone, but you could have a work number. I don't think people expect that. What they expect is an email address. Your email addresses should be the same as the company names. So if you work for ABC Brokerage, your email should be John at ABC Brokerage. No more Hotmail. I can't believe I still see Hotmail out there, Yahoo, or even Gmail. It needs to be a business email address. And then it should have a website. And your email address.com should be the same as your website. So Jeff at EliteRealEstateSystems.com. My website's EliteRealEstateSystems.com. You guys get the point. Those, that's the information people want. You could add more. I know mine has all my social media redirects so that people could learn more about me on social media. A lot of times you can embed a URL that tells them about what you offer, learn more, you know, learn more button with a link, but the sky's the limit, but you want to create that contact card. So if I was on a phone call with somebody that I hadn't talked to in a long time and they're not ready to use my service, I probably would say something like, Hey, once we get off the call, I'm going to shoot you um, a text with my updated contact information. And then, of course, when they get that, they can click on it and say, create new contact or add to existing contact. So if I'm already in their phone, it'll just update it with all the stuff that's in that little contact card. I cannot tell you how many times, and I know you guys are in the same boat, I've asked someone to send me their info. They'll hold their phone up and show me their cell phone number, or they'll grab my phone, add a contact, and put their cell phone number in. I don't want just their cell phone. I don't want to have to go dig around to find out what's their website, what's their company name, what's their email address, what's their phone, you know, all these extra things that would all have been taken care of if they spent two minutes creating a contact card. So the reason you want that contact card is so that they can easily find you, identify you as the expert in your industry. More importantly, share your contact card with friends and family. And on that phone call, I'd say, 
Dana, thank you so much for grabbing the call. I'm glad things are going well. I'm so happy you're still happy at your 123 Main Street home that I sold you 19 years ago. When you come in contact with other people that you know could take advantage of the amazing services that I have to offer, it would mean the world to me if you shared my contact card with them and texted me and them together in a text exchange to introduce them to me so that I have the opportunity to help serve them. Number two, events and seminars. Um, we offer anytime anyone in our local market, and this offer extends to anyone nationally, we host a company agent training every Monday and Wednesdays at 1115 Central. We host team leader trainings for team leaders every Thursday from 1115 to 1215 Central. We host an investor training class every Tuesday, 1115 to 1215 Central. We own a mortgage training class and an insurance training class, and we will soon be offering property management and um, title training to that list. So we have all these different trainings we make available at our office in Omaha, Nebraska. Anyone is welcome to come. Our competition, I, I do air quotes if you're listening, no one's competition, you're your own worst enemy. Um, but we have an uh, open door policy. Now, we outside of the office, we'll host events, charitable events. We just got done last week. We hosted an event for a charitable group out of, uh, I believe, Columbus, Nebraska, called Sammy Superheroes, raised $8,000. We had over 100 people come out to our event to golf, and then we had an after party where we gave away prizes, and it was just a big to-do. How influential am I going to be able to be in front of someone in an advertisement on social media versus an event where I'm standing in front of them and I'm talking about their lives and they're telling me about, um, I'm telling them about my life, they're telling me about their life, we're creating a relationship, I'm following up on how things are going with whatever industry they're in. Obviously, we all understand the idea behind belly to belly, but you're going to have a way better chance recruiting someone and a way better chance closing a client and a way better chance getting referrals uh, from somebody, if they're coming out to your events, if they're coming to your office for events, for trainings, if they're going to your charity events, if they're going on your team trips, if they're involved and you have face-to-face -face contact with them, there's the, there's only one better thing than an event. And that's one-on-one -on -one time with people. Um, I don't know how about you guys. I'm a 99D, 99I on the disc. And my entire life, even though I'm a 99I, I love big groups. I love speaking. But anytime I'm in big group settings, I feel like I'm on. Either either our, if you're a close friend of mine, I'm the entertainer, like cracking jokes and having fun and messing around. Um, or I'm the business professional on a stage and trying to maintain composure and be professional and provide content and value to the people that are around me. But if you get me one-on-one, -on -one, I'm going to be a little bit more myself. I'm a little bit, I feel a little bit more free. I think most people probably feel that way. I don't feel like I'm on or I have to act a certain way. And that authenticity, I know, resonates with the people that I'm around. And in my life, I've been a lot more successful when I've peeled somebody away from an event or a seminar or a training event or ch even at church or at the gym or whatever the case might be, getting to be, have some one-on-one -on -one time where other people aren't listening. And you can really get into the real conversations of the things that people care about, which is going to be family, um, personal hobbies, personal time, the things that people like to do, their health, wellness, both mental, spiritual, physical. And you get into those conversations and then you can loop in your business conversation with that. And that's real life. That's people business. And a lot of, some people might be rolling their eyes going, yeah, this is basic stuff. I am shocked how little of time salespeople will spend talking about personal things because their whole entire focus is selling me and they don't realize I'm not buying the car or the insurance policy or the mortgage. I'm buying the person making it available to me. I'm buying the relationship. 
I'm investing in a life relationship with that individual, even though they are the conduit to making sure the product is available to me. So the number one influential space anyone can ever be in is one-on-one in person, not on Zoom, not on a FaceTime call, but in person. And that gives you the opportunity to have that energy. You can use all of your, your resources in terms of your face, your intonation, your body posture, your the setting that you choose to place somebody in. If you're really controlling the environment that you're in, the office they come into. And in the book, it talks about even positioning people a certain way. When you sit down at a restaurant, making sure before the your person you're meeting even comes to the restaurant, asking the uh, person that's assisting you at the table to only bring refills once or to leave a pitcher of water on the table so there's not distractions. Um, set the person that you're with with their back to the room. So they're not constantly scanning the room and they're giving a hundred percent of their focus to you. There's lots of strategies you can use with that. And one of the things I think Michael did a really good job at, and he and I have met several times post me reading this book 15 years ago. And I've asked him a lot of other questions. And, um, I think one of the things that has stood out to me the most is the use of events. He talks a lot about that now. And I think he even wrote a second book, um, about events and the importance of putting people in uh, the right events to create that right energy, that right culture. And I know that you can create a Disneyland experience, if you will, for your recruits that come in, for your clients that come in. You want to make that experience special. Um, I know at our office at KW Elite, we have menus that we can give to clients and ask them, what kind of beverage could we offer? What snack would they like? We have um, a kegerator with non-alcoholic and alcoholic drinks. We have two coffee machines. We have Tons of different beverage options, pretty much anything and everything that the agents and other ancillary businesses want at the office, we keep it stocked. And then how do we cover the cost? We actually charge everybody um, $100 a month fee, and that's to cover the cost of all of our overhead. And if overhead goes up beyond what we're covering, then we increase the fee. And I think right now agents pay 50 and then everyone else that rents space in our office pays 100 And we don't spend a ton of money. There's probably over 100 people across all the businesses that we have in our 10,000 square foot space. And we spend less than two grand a month on stuff. But it makes everyone feel special. The clients come in and they feel like royalty. They feel like the VIPs that they are. Um, I was trained by a coach out of Canada back in 2006. One of the first speakers I ever heard of. I went to his event. His name's Mark Leaders. I think he's still in the game. And Mark, you said, um, treat your clients like they feed, house, and clothe you because they do. And so it's really important, I think, back to that, you know, number one on this list of seven levels of communication, that one-on-one meeting, the impact and influence um, and effect that we can have on somebody if we control our environment and build an experience for them and be cognizant of building up that experience. So that is kind of what I wanted to chat about today. Um, I think it's important that we get back to the roots of why are we here, uh, where did we come from, where are we going, and as it applies to our businesses, you know, do we have the dream team that we always wanted as we go into 2024? Um, do we have the admin staff that we need need to have to be successful? Um, are we running as lean as possible? I know a lot of people are saying doom and gloom 12 to 18 months. Doom and gloom, and I do air quotes again, is opportunity. Don't see doom and gloom as the your end. It's an opportunity to become more successful, but you have to be cognizant of the changes that are taking place and take advantage of the things that are presented to you and the opportunities that are presented to you. Um, I think it's been really easy for new agents in the business. I think there are twice as many agents over the last like three years that an influx of people in the business because anyone that had a friend listing their house, you'd go take the listing, the house would sell and life is good. Uh, when I got licensed in 2006, the average home would stay on the market for nine months before going under contract. That's a That was obviously a buyer's market. That's here in Omaha, Nebraska. 
or nine months of inventory, we average about a thousand deals a month in our area. And so I look at the market today, there's like two months of inventory. This is the same in most places. And so it's a lot, I think, more challenging for an agent. Um, of course, you can take a listing and it's going to sell a little bit quicker, but that's now softening as well. So for an agent that doesn't have a strong sphere of influence, I think it's become more and more of a challenge. And we're now seeing all these agents that entered and things were so easy and those agents knew everything. They're now either exiting the business altogether or they're trying to find discount brokerages to hang their licenses at because they claim that the brokerages that they're at that offer lots of value don't offer value because they don't understand the value that those brokerages have been offering. And so I think everybody's kind of looking for a place to land and think about how you as a team leader or owner can be a solution to the challenges inside of your industry. You know, I know the mortgage industry has been hit hard. Title industry has been hit hard. Insurance industry has been hit hard. Um, pretty much every vertical attached to real estate transaction. And all of that is okay. And we will come out of it. It's a cycle. It's cyclical. So for those that are worried, don't be worried. Be patient. Um, be lean. Cut, cut your costs as much as you can. If you invested in something because you thought in two years, three years, it's going to pay off, ask yourself, do I need to continue investing in that? Or is this maybe time to pause that program? Um, what's it called? You get laid off from a job. There's jobs that are seasonal. Maybe it's time to lay, lay some people off literally um, or table some projects and bring them back when the market gets a little bit stronger, but be cognizant of that. And then always reflect back to these seven levels of communication. How are you communicating? Are you communicating at the highest level? Are you communicating inside that impact zone? That's the one-on-one -on -one meetings, events, and phone calls. Or are you still standing behind the non-impact zone activities of handwritten notes, electronic communication, direct mail, and advertising? And it might be time to step it up and get back into that influential zone, which at one time you were great at, but now you've been able to be kind of taking the easy street because the market's been easier, I think, on agents the last several years and loan officers and mortgage lenders. And the list goes on and on insurance agents, I meant to say. So I'd like to remind everybody about um, just the importance of getting belly to belly and making sure that you make your client the focus. You make sure you make your recruit or your employee the focus. Um, they are the most important in your, person in your world while they're there with you one-on-one. -on -one. Your meetings don't need to last long. Make them quick. Make them efficient. Make sure you always have a goal. Um, with every line item, seven to one, there should be a different goal attached to those um, those different ways of communicating. And none of them are bad. They're all important, but they all have a different use, a, a different purpose. And so be cognizant of what the purpose is of your advertising campaign or your direct mail. And understand the goals to get somebody to one-on-one. -on -one. Every step, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, is to get somebody in front of you and then to get them to use the product that you're selling and then to get them to refer people to use the product that you're selling and then to keep them as a client, retain them so that when they go to use your product again, they choose to reach out to you. So you're always staying top of mind. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to take advantage of future episodes, please go out to the platform that you're using. If you're on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spotify, any of the other places that you listen to podcasts and give us a review. We'd appreciate a five-star review. If there's topics you want us to discuss, we are watching all the comments that we get there. We have chosen to take um, your recommendations and make podcast episodes out of it. Of course, I don't want all the episodes to be solo. If there's a guest you want us to bring on, uh, we have a lot of influence right now. Lots of people are following our podcast. We get about 25,000 listens a month. Um, if you have a recommendation of somebody you'd like me to bring on, it could be an author, it could be a celebrity, it could be an athlete, um, it could be a real estate mogul, whoever you think would make a great fit, go throw it in the chat. 
you'll see, you'll be surprised. We'll probably, we'll probably have that person on within a few months of you giving us that suggestion and we'll try to get them scheduled. Um, also our number one product is our team leader group coaching. Um, of course we can do one-on-one, sorry, coaching for groups of individual agents. That's just $97 a month. And then we do team leader training, which is a thousand dollars a month. Um, when you sign up for team leader group coaching, you get unlimited seats for your agents. So all of your agents will get free coaching Mondays and Wednesdays. Wednesdays is dialogue. Mondays is topical. Thursdays is our high level team leader product where we help team leaders build and scale dominant businesses in their marketplace. And then that also includes for no additional charge access to all the other group coaching across the other verticals, investing, property management, title, insurance, and mortgage. And I think that's a wrap. I appreciate you guys sticking around with me this long. Um, really appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. Um, it's been great um, being able to deliver this type of content and get the feedback that we get from the listeners. So again, if you could take the time right now as you end this episode, go out, give us a five-star review so other people can find this episode and help other people to continue to grow their business. That's what we're all about. So really appreciate you guys listening and stay tuned for the next episode. 